Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Do you want to live a more fulfilled life and your, you know, your days are going by and you're trying to do all the things to improve your health, but you feel like something is missing and it might be a sense of purpose or just that feeling of contentment from living a fulfilled and impactful life. If this is you, definitely tune in to this Wild Wisdom show. We're going to be going deep into this and more with my very special guest. I cannot wait to introduce you to her. My name is Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm a holistic medical doctor with a root cause approach to health. And I'm here with Dr. Sabina Nagpal. She's a psychiatrist, not your typical psychiatrist. So I'm really excited to get into this with her. She's a mother of three thriving kids, a resilience expert. We all need that in our lives these days. A woman's mental health specialist and the founder of Radiate, the Women's Fulfillment Program. Now, if you are a man and you're watching this and you want to experience fulfillment in your life, this is for you as well. And we need to acknowledge that women have unique challenges in today's uh, living uh, in our environment, and our modern culture that we need to specifically address. So this is for you if you're a woman and if, you have, uh, if you're a man with women in your life. This is very important. So welcome, Dr. Sabina. It is so exciting to have you here. And today we're going to be talking about how to bridge the gap between achievement, resilience, and fulfillment for a more impactful life. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Patricia. It's so exciting to be here and chatting with you. Oh, likewise. And uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend. And I love how the universe works to bring the right people into your life at the right time. So I appreciate you being here as well. And when we were talking about, um, you know, we were talking about your story, and we're going to get into how you got into this, because I find that fascinating. You mentioned something to me that really caught my attention, which is how to, uh, the, the importance of learning to identify our blind spots in the in our life, the blind spots in our life that are holding us back. So, and oftentimes you mentioned, and I agree with you, that requires an outside perspective, like an outsider who has experience guiding you along this. And this is where you come in. You're going to be our expert guiding us along the method of identifying your own blind spots. And once you do identify them, what to do about them. Um, and there's also this kind of like higher level of awareness of the fact that just acknowledging that every single human on this planet has blind spots when it comes to themselves, right? Like I know I probably have so many blind spots. And I also recognize that should I, were I able to identify these blind spots and then be given the tools to, you know, fix them and overcome them and improve on them, um, my my day to day living would be probably so much better, you know. So what do you what do you think about that? I agree, Patricia. And the first thing I want to say is, you know, we all I agree with you. We all have blind spots, including me. And when I when I lead and when I coach and when I help women to find more fulfillment in their lives, the first thing I say is that there's no perfect course, and I'm not on it either. I've just committed to my path to fulfillment, right? So I'm on it. And while I stumble and we all stumble and fall, as a community, we come together and we stay committed to this path to fulfillment. So I think one of the things we learn from the beginning is that humility and to kind of let go of some of that kind of perfectionism around this path, right? So me too, stumbling all the time, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's stumble together along yes. this path. I'm really excited because maybe what we can talk about then and and you decide how you want to take this or what direction you want to go. We could talk about the model that you use um, for helping people achieve, you know, fulfillment. Um, mm -hmm. Did you want to talk about that first? How would you like to do this? Um, you know, what I usually try to explain a little bit is kind of like, uh, I'll tell my story later, but I just want to start with, if it's okay, some of the observations I had and what kind of 
um, brought about this idea to have this model, which is in my clinical work. So this is my story aside, but just what I see having worked as a women's mental health expert for many years. Um, what I what I saw was a common pattern. And I think and I think maybe it's helpful to describe it so that our listeners can kind of you know, recognize whether this might fit with them. Um, and so what I found was a lot of a lot of women um, in, in high performing women, but all women um, find success. So they have goals that they kind of set out for themselves, maybe early in life or maybe in their kind of adolescence 20s. And they work really hard to achieve those goals. And many, many women achieve those goals and they achieve success, but they never find fulfillment. Um, and that was a problem that I saw. And then what I also saw that kind of the, the kind of next step to that was that I saw that people that, that, that people have patterns, they have ways of working that actually helped them to achieve what they did. Right. So maybe they have those things that they thought they wanted and and they had these kind of they have these patterns or like I said, me and two, me and myself included, have these patterns that help us to achieve our goals, but actually stop us from finding fulfillment. And that's kind of where those blind spots come in, right? So it's like these things have been working so well uh, to get to the next step, to the next goal, to the next thing I want to do, but yet I'm not finding fulfillment. And so I think that was another thing that I observed that I was like, I want to start to tackle this, right? And then the last piece is that I think there's an opportunity, right? There's an opportunity to kind of look at those um, patterns and those ways of being that have kind of helped us to get to this kind of place of achievement, but actually leave us a bit fragile in the face of resilience and also block us from fulfillment. So if we can overcome those gaps, then we can kind of be well on our path to fulfillment. So I think that's what I wanted to kind of start with. It just kind of identified that this is kind of the issue that I recognize and, and, and what I decided to kind of tackle head on uh, with the skills that I have uh, to help people to kind of find, find, a, find more fulfillment in their lives. Amazing. And it's so funny because as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, yep, yep, I definitely can see uh, that there were things that I did in order to achieve success as a doctor and as a researcher and how that really blocked me in other areas of my life, like maybe my relationship with my partner or with my children or, you know, those kinds of things. Tell me a little bit more about um, the patterns that you would commonly see in the woman that you were working with, and then the model that you developed as a result of your observations that you found, obviously, you know, that you have found to be helpful to address, identify and address those patterns. Yeah, certainly. So I call them potholes, right? So if you think about like a pothole that you, maybe you're on your bike or for me on my like electric scooter, <laughs> you might be zooming along and ignoring them and getting where you want to go. And then you might hit a pothole, right? And these are the potholes that we try to deal with. And those potholes can stop you and you can kind of decide to deal with them or you can just get right back up and keep going. And that's what most of us do early in our lives. So usually these things don't develop in our kind of, in our 30s or 40s, they're usually things that came about early, early in life, messages that we maybe integrated, rules that we decided to live by, uh, things that we thought kind of had to be that we that have, again, worked, right? So I always say these things have worked and we can be grateful for them. And they work until they don't, until they no longer serve us, and then we can let them go. So these are things like, you know, needing to um, always kind of, you know, the things that make us quite commendable as professionals. Always try your best. Always take on more than everybody else. Always do everything perfect, right? So these are kind of like the the kind of ways of being that are really um, that can really kind of help us, but then stop us, right, from from kind of um, exploring fulfillment and resilience. Other things are kind of the things that might drive us. So a lot of people are um, driven from their early learnings and relationships. And without getting into all the details, I use the attachment theory, um, as kind of my, in the psycho psychological parts of my work. Um, so the basic premise is that we learn very early in our lives, in our first relationships from like six months to two years or so, how relationships work and, uh, what we get from our primary caregiver. And while most of us walk around with very healthy attachment styles, we also have learnings from that that teach us that we need to be a certain way to get the the um, the love and the admiration of those around us. And so, and if we don't, if we don't behave in a certain way or do certain things, that we'll lose them. And and again, this is not to blame mothers any more than we already do. 
it's just recognizing in ourselves that we have these tendencies. And I really work with women to understand our, how our attachment, how our early life might have um, inadvertently led us to, to, to live our lives in a certain way. And as a result, these kind of potholes, these things that we need to kind of work through that kind of to find more fulfillment from a, from a psychology perspective are things like shame-based uh, achievement, right? So uh, if I don't do this, then this will happen. If I don't do this, then someone will think this of me, right? So all of the shame that drives, I mean, you and, you and me both went to medical school, right? And I, I, I'm sure you remember, Patricia, but like <laughs> sometimes when I think back to like, some of that training and how much shame is like used in the way that that people learn is you know it, it's really kind of sad and I don't think it's only in medicine it's not to knock but I think that a lot of our education and a lot of performance is actually shame-based it's like it's like you want to avoid feeling like you're not enough so then you work 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 um, and it works right you get you get you get the result but that's working on what I call anxious energy right so there's this kind of it's not it's not a it's not operating from a fulfilled space it's operating from a overachieving overdrive anxious space right um and this kind of energy that comes with anxiety that helps us to kind of make sure we do all the things we need to do uh to get where we want to get but but again in the long run doesn't allow us to operate from a fulfilled space so those are some examples there's lots of them and everyone has their own but those are some examples of kind of potholes kind of psychological potholes that kind of hold us back and keep us in this overdrive state where we can't relax we can't um enjoy things we kind of can't stop um and i'm kind of moving into the second question which is around the model right the model that i use um so there's what i what i uh what i describe is that we have these kind of three states and they're all states of some health right it's not it's not that people are um kind of experiencing mental ill health when they're when they're in these states um they're they're people are doing well but they're not fulfilled right so the first state is this kind of overachieving overdrive state and that's when we're on overdrive as it says right so we're on go 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 what's the next things can't relax everything's a to-do list often what people tell me when they're in this state is they often can't even enjoy the achievement that they had because they're already on to the next you know, that kind of feeling like, boom, I did that. Okay, now what's next, right? So that's a really kind of common sign that you're in this. Also, um, that you're kind of um, unable to really notice the kind of the, have gratitude for the achievements that you've had, often impatience, irritability, restlessness, um, health things that go on are poor sleep. Um, as you talk about, I know a lot because I really love following your show is, you know, your elevated cortisol levels and all the knock on health effects with that. So that's that kind of overdrive state. And um, while that brings um, while that brings like a lot of kind of achievement, like you can kind of set goals and achieve them, it actually leaves uh, women, um, men too, actually, um, in a state of a bit of a fragility. Right. So when adversity hits. It's actually quite difficult because there's not a lot of reserve and there's not a lot of room for self-care in that time. So in that state, you're sort of trading achievement and you're using it as a bit of a proxy for the things that we need for resilience and fulfillment. So instead of nurturing our spirit, instead of nurturing our bodies, instead of doing the things that kind of might let us have a little bit of reserve for when adversary hits to be resilient, we're on overdrive and achieving, right? So we're kind of, it's a trade-off. Right. And so, again, um, it works until it doesn't. And often when um, adversity comes, there's a there's a fragility that that's kind of part of that state. Um, so that's the kind of overdrive state. And then the next one is resilient, which is great, but not fulfilled. So that's when you have a capacity to overcome adversity. Maybe you've had a lot of adversity in your life and you're actually feel comfortable with. Right. So you're doing OK. You're kind of. You are exercising a little bit about this self. You're exercising a little bit of self-care. There's a bit of reserve. You're still achieving, right? And a lot of people could kind of stay in that state and probably, to be honest, do okay until much later in their life where maybe they notice the knock-on later health effects of kind of staying in this go, go, go um, state. But there's, but there's still gaps. People that come to me in this kind of resilient but not fulfilled state often tell me things like, I thought I'd be happier here or I thought I would 
find a greater sense of meaning. Is this it? Like they're going, everything's going okay. It's not that anything's actually like super terrible. And sometimes people actually feel bad about complaining about being in that state, right? Because it's like, it's like they, they know that they have it good, but, but they also internally know that there's something missing. Um, and what's missing is the, is the kind of uh, parts that really get you to fulfillment, which is when you really nurture your spirit um, and I can talk about that in a bit, what I mean by that. But when you kind of actually attune to things like meaning, presence, being present in, in the here and now, um, when you're kind of really connected to your authentic self, to kind of what you truly believe to be you, when that inner fire and passion are there. Um, and actually, there's a lot of benefits to getting to that last state, right? So there was the overachieving, the resilient but not fulfilled, and then the last being fulfillment, getting to that state. Um, that's when you have more spiritual health um, and um, and actually a lot of enhanced capacities. That's where that impact piece comes in. So when you're in a fulfilled state, actually your intuition is much better. Your capacity to integrate your left brain, right brain is a lot better. You can kind of meta process. So you're not, get, don't get caught in the weeds. Um, you see those people that kind of just like, they feel like they're there, but not there, right? The, that can kind of sort of know what's going on in a, in, a, in a large room or a large audience, and they're not kind of caught in the weeds. Often they're, they're kind of in a, they can be more in a fulfilled state because there's a capacity to almost separate a little bit um, and know what's kind of happening for themselves and their emotional capacity, as well as what's happening around them. Um, and then they also enjoy uh, things like joy clarity, all those things that we want to have, right? Um, and one of the clues I tell people for the fulfilled state is it usually feels like flow or being, if you feel like you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, like that's kind of a fulfilled feeling for those listeners that don't really even know what that means because it's a bit of an elusive kind of term. So those are the kind of three states uh, that I work with and try to help people move between them. Um, and recognize when they're when they're slipping, what their kind of patterns are for uh, to tell them that they've kind of moved into their kind of less preferred state and how they might move out. Oh, I love everything you just said. And when you hear truth, it really you you feel it inside. And as I hear you speak, I feel the truth of it inside. And um, and I'm curious, actually, for the viewer or the listener, um, because the reason this resonates with me is because I've actually been through all of those three states. And I'm so grateful that I am, um, you know, I think and I'm very curious, actually, because when you get into like, uh, I would love to know, like, what are the steps to get from what state to the next that you would recommend? And as you say, like, how do you start to clue into the fact that you might be reverting back? Like, so it seems like it's almost like an evolution, right? So. Um, and you're right. When I was a medical doctor practicing as, as a specialist and I was overachieving and in the moment, it it felt great because, as you say, you're on this like energetic high and I didn't. And my blind spot at that time was that I didn't recognize it was like an anxious energy, as you said, which is so perfect. Like there it wasn't like a relaxed and calm and flowy and. It was like I would hit the ward, you know, I'd be I'd walk into the hospital and I would, you know, go on to the ward to see the patients and like everything would ramp up and my body would almost like tense up and I would get ready for it. It's almost like getting ready for battle, but there's like a high to it because it's very fast paced and you're the center of attention and you're helping all these people and you get the fulfillment of the help, but you almost can't even enjoy that, um, you know, the experience of helping people because then you're moving on to the next thing and the next thing. And then you, you go home and then it's like, it, it becomes harder and harder, especially as you have children coming into your life or a partner that you're incorporating or have incorporated and you're, you're kind of growing together through those stages. Um, or maybe they're new in your life. And you're and you're starting to apply, as you said, this way of being during the day to the nighttime. And, you know, and and for me, to be quite frank, the way I started to self-medicate to, you know, I, I was unable to find and I'll explain what I mean by self-medicate. It wasn't with medications. Um, 
and not and not alcohol either but some people do turn to that and it's like this inability to to just relax and enjoy the pleasure of life like the simple pleasure of life i i, I you know it's very hard for me to just like yeah to just transition from doing all the things and achieving all the things to being in the moment, as you said, and just being like, wow, this is this beautiful moment I'm having with my child. And we're having this amazing breakfast. And let me just sit here and enjoy it. And like, maybe not do the dishes for a couple hours, you know, like, I just couldn't get into that kind of very relaxed state. And sometimes we'll travel. That's kind of a self medication for some people where it's like, Mm -hmm. you escape from life with your vacation versus vacation is like uh, you you have a fantastic fulfilled life and then you add to it with a vacation right versus like I just I have to get away and I have to turn so it's it, it kind of it's almost like from what I'm hearing you is you're the the fulfilled life that third state you're still achieving things you may you might let go of things that you don't you no longer want to achieve um, because you get a, a bigger, higher level of awareness of what fulfills you and what doesn't. But it may be that everything that you were doing before is absolutely what you need to do to fulfill your purpose. But the way that you do it and the mindset around it and your physiological state, you know, uh, and as you say, your perspective and the way that you maybe switch sets, like the way that you might be achieving in your work is different from what you're doing outside of work with your relationships. Now, am I on the right track with that thinking? And if not, how would you um, like fine tune it, right? In terms of like the way that I'm looking at this. And also how would you describe the steps between these states, right? And recognizing when you're in the state. Yeah, super. So I agree with you that in what you, how you describe the overdrive uh, state is really, really common. And, you know, it's important to note that there are many people that um, live a busy life and still are fulfilled, right? And it's important to note that you might have busy times in your life, or you might maybe, maybe um, you need to be on the ward and you are, you know, and you just need to be in this busy on call phase in, in this case, or whatever it is that one does for a living. Um, and so it's not that you have to erase busyness, right? So my program or the way that I approach this is for the everyday person that wants to continue to live in this society. It's not, we're not talking about people that want to kind of leave their life and and go like be a monk or join an ashram. You know, I think that that's a good way to get fulfillment, but I'm trying to bring it into everyday life. Um, so it's not that you have to erase being busy by any means, but as you kind of suggested a couple things, um, one is you might counterbalance it. Um, with, you know, when you, you, you might sort of have to be in overdrive for periods of time, but then you know that you recognize it, you see it, and then you might counterbalance it. Uh, the second thing is you don't get into this, um, you don't get into this kind of, uh, pattern or this habit, um, of staying in this overdrive all the time, which is kind of what you described that you have to take it to everywhere you go. And that I think is that, that this is why I call them kind of an overdrive kind of state. So for hours at a time, sure, it's fine to be busy and doing things and even a day at a time. But if that's your every day, if all the time you live like that, that's now become a pattern. And usually people that are in that state um, for long periods of time, uh, that kind of start to see some of the, the sort of ne- negative knock-on health benefits or, or health disadvantages, sorry. Um, they also describe like actually a bit of like intolerance or for some people a fear of being still, right? It's actually quite uncomfortable uh, to be still if you're used to being busy, busy, busy all the time. And often that can be driven a little bit by um, one's kind of wish to kind of avoid uh, emotions, right? So that kind of speaks to some of the, diff- one of the things you kind of talked about is how do you uh, move between the the states, right? So how do you kind of, if you're stuck in overdrive or you find you want to kind of move into another state. One of the ways that um, that I uh, work with people is to kind of uh, sort of start to understand their state, right? So what to be able to check in with themselves, know where they are, and then work on finding their way out. Um, and so one of the things that I um, describe uh, for people is to kind of do these kind of check-ins to see like what state are they in. Um, and it's not that you're in this state all the time. So, you know, if, if I'm talking about me, I probably live between resilience and fulfillment 
most of the time. I'm not always in fulfillment by any means. And I can slip down to overdrive. And I've learned over time what my triggers are and what are the signs for me that I've kind of moved into overdrive, right? So um, that's what I talk about kind of this check-in. So, and the check-in takes like moments, right? So I usually tell people to do it like, you know, maybe on their little like bathroom break if they're at work or while they're filling their water bottle because it's that short, right? It's so small. And so what we want to do is kind of scan, check in with our, with our bodies. Um, bodies give us, our bodies give us a lot of information about what our feelings are, what we're kind of experiencing, right? So that restlessness can kind of, um, that the restlessness is often felt in our bodies. Often uh, people describe it maybe in their belly, sometimes in their chest, some difficulty with um, taking very deep breaths right? Uh, sometimes people feel tension in their jaws, lots of headaches, tensions in their tension in their arm, in their hands. Those are all like signs of kind of some emotional processes going on uh, within our, in, within ourselves. And usually, w- w- sorry, for a lot of people that aren't that comfortable with their emotions, they might use um, activity to kind of not have to deal with that, right? Uh, that's, that's really common. So that's a common kind of blind spot that gets one stuck in overdrive um anger being a really common emotion uh, that we sort of try to push away and then we kind of uh take it out by just being busy and taking on more etc um so we scan our bodies what's going on what's our subjective feeling are we feeling restless are we feeling calm are we feeling relaxed are we feeling like on edge are we feeling irritable right so you know if you're more on the irritable restless impatient side of things maybe you're more in this kind of overdrive state um and if you're kind of more calm and kind of feeling more like chilled out relaxed then maybe you're not quite in you're 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 out of that state potentially so we start with kind of those what's going on with my body what's my subjective experience okay um and then i ask people to kind of check in with their thoughts right so this is just in seconds like what am i feeling boom okay yeah my my you know my jaw's tight boom next stop right so i'm not talking about hours of this um and then thoughts so things like What's the quality of my thoughts? So like what are, and the quantity of my thoughts. So the quality meaning like what kind of thoughts am I having? Are they all about like what I need to do next? Are they all about like planning and being in the future and what my next thing to do is? Because that, that's usually a sign of this anxious energy, right? Because anxiety is um, moving ourselves into the future and predicting it, right? And usually, um, usually for high performing people, when we predict the future negatively, which is anxiety, what we do is we over-prepare. So we think about we need to do this and this and this and this and this. And that's an antidote to our anxiety, right? So if we're in that state, we're probably in overdrive, right? Because we're kind of in this, this, the quality of our thoughts is all about the future. Conversely, when we're more fulfilled, our thoughts might be more in the present. Well, this is a nice cup of coffee. Or wasn't that an, or isn't this a nice interaction that Patricia and I are having, right? So, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be. I was just like, thinking that. I was like, you know, you could be sitting here and I could be sitting here. And there was a moment where I was, where it's like, I'm tense. I'm like, you know, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I ask the right questions and I want to keep this conversation like, you know, whatever. it's my job to keep it flowing, whatever. And as you were talking about, I, I was like, okay, yeah, my jaw's a little bit tense and my shoulder's <laughs> a little bit tense. So let me relax that. Let me relax this. And let me just enjoy the fact that here we are together having this super awesome conversation. And then you said that. And I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I am a psychiatrist. Yes. I, have that. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. So you can just enjoy being here, right? And kind of have faith that things are going to go where they need to go, right? Um, And there's a confidence that comes out of that, right? Sort of being in the present, right? So what is the quality of my thoughts? And also the quantity. If my thoughts are running a mile a minute, uh, that's that's often more consistent with the overdrive state versus when my thoughts are kind of more slow and there's pace between them and there's not a need to be thinking every minute, right? Um, so those are kind of some clues about that. And then the, la- the other thing I talk to people about is um, thinking about um, maybe like the behaviors that come out of that or the re- outcomes of that, manifestations of those, um, those feelings and thoughts. So behaviors. So uh, what am I kind of doing, right? Am I always kind of doing or am I able to be, right? So this do be trade-off, right? Doing versus just being. Um, and also what's the quality of my relationships, right? So, cause, because all of those impact. So, you know, for me personally, when I'm kind of getting into overdrive state, then all of these like triggers of 
how I have to do everything right and everything has to be done properly and all this stuff comes out. And then that hap- that impacts my relationship, right? Because then now my husband all of a sudden has to do everything perfectly, right? So this is, if, if I, I, that's a sign for me. If I'm starting to kind of project my own kind of overdrive onto another person, then that's a sign also for me. So it's kind of a check-in, like what are the quality of these components? And then I know where I am. And then I look at finding my way up. I, I love that so much. And, it, and I love that you mentioned that it's not even so, it, it, it includes us um, having these patterns ourselves, but it's also, you start to expect it from the people around you. And then you start to like, as you say, project on them. And then when they are like, my husband is this wonderful man and he has this incredible ability to just be in the moment, to relax, to enjoy. He's the guy who will like, you know, we'll do breakfast and then he won't clean the dishes because he's playing with the kids. And he, you know, if, if I'm in my overdrive state, I'm thinking, okay, like, you know, it's, we want to clean the dishes so we can move on to the next thing. We said we we're going to do a hike and whatever. And the more that I get into my fulfilled state, I, I notice that I'm just like flowing with it. I'm like, oh, isn't this fun? We're having fun as a family and let's relax and whatever. And you know what? We could even go for a hike and come back to a messy kitchen and we'll all work together to clean it up. And I'll just have faith that everything is going to work out and that it becomes all the activities are the same, right? Like we, we had breakfast, we went for a walk, we did dishes. However, the energy and the experience and the relationship, everything about that changes in such a positive way. And I, I think this is so powerful, especially in today's uh, modern culture where women are and men are trying so hard and it's, it, we want to achieve, we want to make an impact. However, in order to make an impact on the world and survive and thrive and actually enjoy the life that we're here, we have to really pay attention to this. So, so um, Sabina, how then would you um, move from a state of overachievement? Like what would be the steps? Like if I'm thinking of like a journey and I'm, I'm like, I now recognize where I am on the map. I'm like, okay, I'm in overdrive. I'm in overachievement. Um, where, what would be the next few steps I need to take or many steps or like, what does that journey look like to get eventually to the state of fulfillment? Because the resilience part is interesting for sure. Um, when I, when I, when I burned out working as a doctor on the ward, spinal cord injury ward, I had so little resilience that I quit my job. Like that was, (laughs) I was in extreme fragility. Like I just, you know, and and I was in a different state than the doctors I was working with. Like certain changes came about, everyone else adapted, and I just like couldn't. I thought there was something terribly wrong with me. Now I recognize I just didn't have these tools that you're teaching us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that I had done the work as I was in the state of overachievement so that I could build the resilience um, so that I at least maybe could have continued to work in some capacity or make the decision to leave, but not in a state of like flight. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. fight, you know, I, I like fight and then flight, you know, that kind of thing more in the state of like, you know, this no longer serves me. You know, I feel like I'm ready for something new, you know, like that kind of difference. Yeah. Again, the outcome's the same, but the energy is different. So Ooh. what would be the steps like talking to the person I was before, right? Yeah. What would you, what, how would you like paint that out for me or, or draw that yeah. out? Good question. First of all, I'm sorry that that was, I mean, I, I, I just, I felt the, Anyways, I had lots of kind of um, just imaginations about how hard that would be. So anyways, thank you for sharing it because it is a hard, it's a really hard uh, place to be. And often it's for, often it comes from, like it's for you, like came from a place of really trying your best and wanting to be the best you can, right? So it's, none of this is done because people don't sort of want the best for themselves or don't work hard or, you know, there's no, I guess, I guess it's to say like to, to take away all the weakness and shame that comes from those experiences, I think is really important. Um, and as a, as a kind of addition to answer your question, the first, first step to me always is to just, you know, so as we talked about checking in, name your state, I usually say, and then accept your state, right? That it's okay. It's okay that I'm here. I'm not a bad person. I'm not weak. There's nothing that this doesn't say anything bad about me. Um, it's just where I am right now. And that's it, right? So that's, I think, and, and it, it sounds so simple, but it's super important because it, 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 um, it calms that cortisol storm is what I say, right? So it calms, as you talked about, that fight or flight comes from being in this kind of sympathetic drive or being in this state of like, go, go, go. Then when we're kind of uh, wired in a particular way, 
to make those decisions that make a lot of sense. Because in, you know, in our historic days, we had to do that when we were in that in that place, when we were operating on anxiety, we had to choose quickly what we had to do. So accepting where we are helps us to calm that down as a first as a first step, right? We want to get into a place where our parasympathetic system can help us to figure out what we want to do next, right? So, so acceptance and then gracefully find your way out is what I usually say, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and, and, the, and the grace comes from having a bit of gratitude for that person, right? For how great you were and how what you were trying and all the good things you were trying to do. And then thinking about what do I want to do next, okay? And so that's, that's the first piece. Um, then if you already have done some work about your kind of knowing your potholes or your triggers, you can start to look at what is, what might be driving this? Like, what is it that is keeping me in this place? Or what is it that's, you know, making this change at work, as you described, so difficult for me, right? So, you know, again, it's not from a place of shame because you've already accepted that you're here. You already have thanked yourself for all you've done to get here. And now let's look kind of like from a very nurturing place. What is it that's kind of maybe feeding this, this fight or flight state? What's making me feel like I need to run? Um, and so we can get into it now if you want, or I can kind of give you um, what, what others sometimes tell me, whatever you, whatever's better for you, Patricia. Yeah, I think, um, to be honest, like, I, I think for the purpose of time, what I would love is, is the steps that people need to take to get, to go, to move between the states, because um I feel like, yeah, the, the being able to recognize what one's own kind of contributions to the state, like, you know, it, it requires some guidance possibly yeah. to, yeah. you know, you know, cause it is such a blind spot for people. Like, and I, I know I needed that help. Yeah. Um, and so that might be helpful, but yeah, if there's anything like, you yeah. Can do it, so once you kind of have a sense of that, that's yeah. one avenue. So, and this is where I bring in this kind of, it's a combination of the mind. So that's those potholes that we were just talking about that, as you said, often people need some help from, and then the spirit, right? So it's the mind and looking at those potholes and how do we work through them? And then second is a really important is bringing in what I, what I describe as spirit nurturing practices, right? So this is why Radiate uses an, um, it uses evidence-based mental health as well as spirit nurturing practices, which are also evidence-based, um, to, as an intentional blend to help people find fulfillment. And what I mean by spirit nurturing is kind of anything that feeds your spirit. And so for some people, that's kind of um, obvious. Some people maybe were raised in a way that spirituality is a big part of them. But for many people, they weren't raised that way. And that's totally fine. Um, I think anyone can have a way of feeding this kind of inner authentic fire inside them that helps them to be able to um, combat adversity and find fulfillment. So that's how I describe the spirit. It's kind of this part of yourself that kind of is your inner candle, your inner fire, um, and this kind of um, gut, if you will, gut, not your, not your, gut in medical terms, but you're, you know, this kind of your, that kind of instinct, uh, that's part of our spirit. And we need to nurture it and feed it. Uh, even if we're not uh, exercising, even if we're not part of a religious organization or anything like that, feeding it can be anything that helps us to um, make that spirit feel better. Usually what I tell people is that are kind of really new to this, especially is um, anything that slows you down into the present moment can be really helpful. And anything that takes you out of yourself, right? So the kind of spirituality in the way that Radiate thinks of it is just an acknowledgement that there's something outside of me. Whatever that is for people is totally individual. For some people, it's energy. For some people, it's the universe. For some people, it's God. For some people, it's nature, which I think is a really handy um, opportunity uh, for that's very universal. So one of the first practices I recommend to people if they have if they're new to, to kind of anything spiritual is our nature observations. I love nature observations. So yeah. they're just like it, it's crazy the impact. Like I can do a 20 minute meditation or a two minute nature observation, and sometimes I feel exactly the same after you. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Um, I tell people like um, it's like when you look at flowers obviously anything in nature but I think people can really relate to the flowers you look at the perfection and the play of colors and the symmetry and like the unique shapes and how 
the shapes like uh, repeat themselves through nature. Like I saw flowers that look like dragonflies and, um, you know, orchids look like the female organs and, you know, just this super beautiful. And I think to myself and I, you know, I used to just look. Now I look and think to myself, this is the creation of the energy of the universe. And therefore, in my mind now, the energy of the universe must be good. Like Mm -hmm. it must be beautiful. It must be like order in the chaos, right? Because it is producing this just gorgeous array of nature. So when you say nature observations to me, that might sound very like, you know, like very light to some people listening to this for the first time. And what I have to tell you, you know, the viewer, the listener is that it is un like if if you approach it with the right mindset, it is the most powerful thing you can do. I think it's incredible. (laughs) And like for some people, maybe that's like too far to get all the way to what it means, but it it certainly can get there. And I I love it. I love that you do that because I do too. You know, it's just like, ah, you know, and it's something that I noticed I used to do even as a kid before I even really thought about this. I remember being in awe, right? So for some people thinking about what used to kind of bring them into this place of being in the moment and and noticing things outside themselves that as a child can be a really good clue of what what um, really high yield um, spirit nurturing practice might be for them. Um, but the very simple ones, if you kind of don't know, like how you want to start at all is like, um, just to look at anything in nature. But the key, key, key is that there's nothing you need to do about it. So the observation part is the nature is important. And then the observation part is super important, because you're just observing, you're just watching and noticing and as you said you notice the shape you notice the colors you notice kind of maybe i I actually really like looking at leaves blowing in the wind because it's you know it's just like and it's soothing but you're just noticing and that's actually a really good practice for that's an actually an antidote to anxiety because anxiety is all about being in the future and doing something and preparing and or avoiding and when you're in this present moment you're actually training your brain a little bit on how to stay in the present, right? So there's twofold. One is you kind of get this calm. Two, you're more than twofold. You're connected to something outside of you. You're nurturing your spirit, but you're also kind of secretly combating your anxiety too. So so that's all very good. So these spirit nurturing practices can start those. So we talked a lot about nature observations, but they can be meditations, guided meditations, but also things like the arts are really helpful for people. So music, um, fine arts, dancing, cooking, like all kinds of things people can use to kind of feed their spirit. And I really work with people to try to find a customized um, practice uh, that fits with their lifestyle and fits with their with their own kind of what, what nurtures their own spirit um, so that they have a bit of a roadmap to kind of move through. So that's, that's one really important part. And then things like self-care, which is high yield self-care, I usually say, because no one has time to do all the self-care activities that we could all ever do, right? Especially nowadays where it feels sometimes uh, like sometimes self-care is like code word for do more for some people. Right? <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not us, it's you, you know, kind of, kind of thing, especially in organizations that happens a lot, I find. So, um, so, but high yield self-care. So knowing for yourself, like, what is it that kind of helps you to calm your cortisol storm? Like, what is it that you need that, that helps you specifically? So. For me, if I'm in overdrive, I need to do a guided meditation. I cannot do like a meditation that's on my own because my mind is just like doing X, Y, and Z. I need to kind of do some, uh, I need to do exercise or I have to, I have to kind of burn a little bit of the, of the, of the anxiety off, right? So it doesn't have to be super intense exercise, but it has to be something that helps to burn it off to kind of calm my cortisol storm a little bit. Um, I personally uh, use like, uh, my children to give me oxytocin to like boost my oxytocin with lots of hugs and stuff. So this just calms me down so that I can gracefully find my way out. So, but I do try to help people to find what are their high yield activities, a uh, self-care activities. Usually they're within the kind of common acronym that I use NEST, right? So nutrition, exercise, sleep, time for stillness and support, right? So it's within those five, as many as we can do, but trying to find the ones that you really um, can make time for or that really work for you so that when you're in that time of overdrive, you're not feeling like, oh, I'm wasting my time. I'm not doing anything. Because that's the time when you really need to know that what you're going to do is going to be 
helpful. Um, so, so that the we talked about the self care, we talked about spirit nurturing, and then the other parts that are really important are things that are um, sometimes people need help with, and that was what the Radiate program uh, focuses on, which is around knowing your emotions, right? So, understanding your emotions, being able to process them, because they can all they can often kind of lead us uh, to overdrive. Understanding these potholes for ourselves, including attachments, um, and how those impact our relationships, because relationships. Um, not that people don't have, sometimes people have really great relationships, but they don't know how to use them, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know how to access support from the people that love them. Um, and uh, and then sometimes people need to figure out who in their circle are like the pe- their people for various things, right? Because sometimes we knock on the wrong doors um, and it's not that the doors we knock on, the people don't want to help us, but maybe they're just not equipped, right? So understanding our kind of support uh, circle and who we can go to um, it's one of the chief, really like, you know, huge evidence around resilience. For um, There's a lot of evidence around supports and how we kind of, and community um, in terms of, in terms of building resilience. Um, so those are the areas that I usually would get people to to focus on um, if they're kind of in, in overdrive and wanting to get towards fulfillment. That, I mean, I think it's amazing. And um, I recognize how, um, and, and it doesn't take long, as you say, like sometimes you only have two minutes to walk away from your desk, look out through the window and see nature, right? And those two minutes can actually be like enough in that moment. So thinking that you have to dedicate all this time in your busy life towards these steps. And the reality too, is that I think we deep down inside, we know that if we take a portion of our busy time and dedicate it towards these practices, the other time we're more effective. So you end up you know, actioning less, but and achieving more. So, um, you know, if you're listening to this and you and this feels like truth to you, then definitely start bringing those things in. And I and I re- I also recognize that for every person is different, and and there's different stages. Like when I was first going through this process, I I only had time for like five minutes of sitting in stillness. Now I have so much resilience, and I'm in the state of like you know I'm 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 learning fulfillment. Um, and it just makes me feel so good when I sit down and I sit in stillness that I've made 20 minutes a day. Like I, I, I and it's cherished sacred time for me. Mm-hmm. So like I will protect it. You know, it's rare that I don't give myself that time. And the other thing too, is that one of, I think the common things with overachieving um, people um, who have had like things in their lives that has set them up to have blind spots is that we tend to suppress certain emotions, as you say, like negative emotions, like suppressing fear and not, not recognizing that it's anxiety that's driving. So a lot of us are just like blindly achieving, not realizing that there even is anxiety and anxiousness in there. And the problem is that you start to suppress the positive emotions too. So part of my journey over the last like year has actually been to um, purposefully um, like bring up from deep inside of myself the emotions that are appropriate to what I'm doing in a positive way. So for example, allowing myself to feel just pure joy in a moment of like having, um, you know, a, a bath, like a, a magnesium salt bath, let's say, right? there Before I'd be like, okay, now's my self-care time. Like, let me make the bath and let me sit here. Oh, that feels nice. Okay, now the time is up and I'm get out. Now it's like check as you said, it's like my to-do list. Yeah. And now I find myself now that I'm more in the fulfilled state, is like, you know, just luxuriating in it, like finding the sensuality of it, not the sexuality, but the sensuousness and the pure healthy pleasure of it. And it's just like, you know, like you said, like now when I have a cup of coffee, like allowing myself three minutes to just go, oh, this just tastes so good and isn't this a lovely moment so it's like you're introducing this um joyful states or states of like you know healthy pleasures and and contentment and fulfillment through your day and it's just amazing how it will start to radiate into radiate into yeah. all the other areas of your life including your relationships so you know there was a time when i was like what do i do to heal my relationship and i realized like i have to heal myself yeah. like actually you know, I'm projecting all these things like my partner, I need this from him and I need that from him. I need this to happen. And actually what I really needed, and sure there are things that we work on together as like how we relate to each other and communicate with each other. The foundational thing though, was really healing myself and not healing from a, a, from a nutritional eating perspective. Like I was doing all those things, as you said, it's like, you can be doing all the things and have a perfectly healthy body 
and have a perfectly successful career and you know you're doing all the things and you reach this state and you're just like i'm just not happy yeah like i am not as happy as i thought i would be there are happy moments and there is happiness but i'm not like i thought it would be like amazing you know yeah. like this like yeah yeah wow. like this is it that's what i get a lot of like this this is it this is this is what i worked so hard for like what yeah yeah, yeah. so it's like it's like it's like the evolution right it's evolving so it's like ev evolving from overachieving to having resilience within that achievement and then evolving to be fulfilled to feel fulfilled to live in fulfillment mm -hmm. so that you can have the impact like you know i you and myself and many other very um you know ambitious individuals out there who want to make this world a better place it does the world no service if you're showing up achieving all the things and you are just like a, a dried up husk inside yeah and i think you know just to add that the other the other piece that i, I um is worth mentioning is that when you are in the fulfilled state more often. Again, it's not that you stay there all the time, but you get more of it, right? That's that's the goal. Um, when you're in the fulfilled state more often, your capacities are actually improved. So as you said, you you're more efficient. You drop things that maybe don't that kind of anxious time that you spend like scrolling and doing things that maybe aren't really serving you go, but also your capacities are enhanced. So people are better lead women. Like I, I work with women that want to be that find that they're not getting to that next level that they want to get to. And, um, and then once they integrate a little bit more fulfillment into their life, they lead better because their relational capacities are improved because their emotional intelligence is improved because their intuition is improved. They're complex problem solving. So you also have a greater impact, right? So it's twofold. You feel better, you feel better, right? So that's the kind of subjective you have the, improved health benefits, and also you have a greater impact. So it feels like an investment of time, but actually, as you said, at the end of the day, there's a lot of gain that comes from that investment. And actually you end up with a little bit more time to, in, more time to kind of enjoy and just the, the, small, the small things in life, right? That, that, that we've worked so hard to get. <laughs> oh yeah, and when you hit that state, it's like, it's almost magical, you know, because you're like, how am I accomplishing all these things? And yet I'm working like a half day and then I get a nice lunch and then I get to go out and do my walk and my hike. And then I get my kids and I, you know, like it's, I used to work like nine to five and come home totally burnt out uh, and achieving like X amount. And now I work, you know, nine to one and I'm achieving more within that time. And there's like a creative feel to it, a mm -hmm. flow state to it. Yes, there are days where I'm at the end of that. I'm just like, oh my goodness, I need to really put in some counterbalancing measures. And I love that you said that. It's like sometimes my like, you know, I'm I'm having to do massive counterbalancing depending what state I'm in in terms of my business and activities. Um, and then, and sometimes like because I've become, as you say, really good at checking in with myself, like the tension in my back and like you know all those things. It's like, I will, I will cancel things now, you know, I'll be like, you know, I, I scheduled this into my schedule when I was at this state. And now I feel like now I recognize that kind of the counterbalancing measures that I'm going to gracefully say no, right. I'm going to set a few healthy boundaries and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, and it's all done with kindness. Yeah. Right. And, and so life, I, I, and I'm so, so grateful for you being here in this space, um, you know, Sabina, because I see this, I work with a lot of women, obviously, with my health promotion programs. And, and what I see is that I can get them to a certain state, right, of like amazing health, like their best health. And for some of them, that's enough. For many of them, there's that additional piece, that piece of fulfillment. You know, mm -hmm. it's like that, that higher level state, right? Which sometimes you have to get your health in order. Like, you know, you have to really like figure out your health, get that sleep, get that healthy nutrition, yeah. set the foundation, right? Figure out what works for you so that you have the energy to continue to do the work. Um, but some people actually, it's the reverse. They'll go into the mind body, like the mind part of the mind body connection first, and yeah. then they get their mind sorted out and then they have the capacity to work on their body. So depending on where you, like what's the entry point, like all roads lead to Rome. Rome, the end destination is a yeah. super healthy mind body 
connection, right? Yeah, exactly. Mind, body, spirit, soul, all that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a time when someone said spirit to me, I would like, whoa, you know, and now I'm I'm like full in, right? So if you're the person who is like, whoa, just so you know, yeah, it could be it's it's like the energy that you see it's it's in the universe. Like whatever energy is driving the universe is causing the planets to spin, is causing the plants to grow for evolution to occur. You can think of it as that, and that energy is inside of you, and you limit and you block that energy. You basically put barriers up to that energy, fo- f- like flowing freely in your tissues, mm. you know, and through you, and 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 nurturing the thoughts in your mind, and creating positive versus negative ones, like however you want to think of it, right? And the truth is that we all have that capacity within us to have that energy be just completely vibrant and full and expansive. Um, and flowing with the seasons, as you say, there will be seasons in our life where there is a bit more achievement with a bit of sacrifice on fulfillment. Hopefully there will always be resilience and and but that has to be intentional. Like you will not just naturally be resilient in today's yeah. modern age. You yeah. must do the work to find out what for you brings joy and pleasure and being in the moment and you know, relaxing, being able to relax and be calm. So that you can counterbalance life, like the reality of life, right? You have to develop a healthy relationship with reality. Yeah. And I think for some people, it's exceptionally difficult to just learn how to relax or learn how to find joy. And that's why I think these practices, just integrating them into your life, just that you're doing them like a prescription can be really helpful because it's really hard in our modern world to turn to turn it down. And as I said, it's uncomfortable when you've been in this place for a long time. It's actually really hard. It's, you know, it's exceptionally difficult to slow down. And I get why people just keep on, keep on. But the thing is, at some point, it can lead to not so good outcomes. And even if it doesn't, there's such a missed opportunity to the joy and clarity (laughs) and ease um, and the enhanced capacities and health uh, outcomes that one can get from fulfillment. So, you know, either either the opportunity cost or the fear of what happens if you don't. <laughs> either either way, uh, I think it's super it's super important. And I agree with you that it is the connection of the kind of the mind and spirit and the body. And and you know, I know you work with the mind as well completely. And you know, you work with all facets too. But the combination of those two is a deadly combination, right? It's, it's actually the what we need it what we need kind of to have this kind of more full holistic life yeah and i remember when we were talking um at the beginning you said like when we first met you and you you mentioned that your superpower was to correct me if i'm wrong is to when you're having like when you're sitting in these pro this program that you have with women and it's a small group setting your superpower is leading the conversation a way that you help these women identify their blind spots in a way that they probably would have had a really hard time or taken a really long time or maybe never had success with um, you know, without that additional, um, without that expertise to identify their blind spots, which is that like, you know, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think, you know, especially um, for women that are doing fine, right, that aren't coming because they're in a crisis, that are coming because they want to grow to the next stage. It's really difficult to find what those blind spots are to find, figure out what's holding one back. It's really challenging, especially if you're, you know, the, the world really rewards us for overachieving and right that, that there's a lot of external praise that comes from that. So to kind of take a step back and figure out what's driving it is exceptionally difficult. So I do that kind of, I work with individual, I work individually, but I also work in groups. And as you as I told you, I feel like one of my superpowers is this working in groups um, because group facilitation is just like, I love it. It's my jam. And I find that um, in those, in that space, you can, um, women can figure out because they're, you, you bring to these groups, what you bring to the world. And so we can see it right together in a collaborative, safe fashion what's going on, right? What is it that you're bringing? So, you know, the way that one might react uh, when something, when there's a, a difference, a, a difference of opinion in the group. Some of us are, um, have roles we take on. Some of us are very sociable and always want everyone to feel okay and therefore try to avoid conflict at the cost of ourselves, at the cost of kind of what we really believe. That'd just be one example of a blind spot. Mm-hmm. So there's many blind spots that come out um, in the group that people can't, it's hard for people to figure out in their everyday interactions or with the people that they're interacting with all the time because they're in their own patterns. But in a group, we have the capacity together to try to unearth those blind spots. And the the sort of 
the group is kind of greater than the sum of its parts for a lot of people, right? So everyone gains, but the group as a whole um, is just so powerful. Um, and that's what I love about the the groups that we run for Radiate because everyone gains and contributes to each other, but they unearth things that they maybe wouldn't have found in any other way, in, in other in other formats. Yeah, even sometimes more than one-on-one, right? Because sometimes someone makes a comment that triggers uh, an insight in another person that they wouldn't even have thought, you know, or a question that someone asks and other people are like, whoa, I never even thought of that question, but it's so relevant, right? So, and the discussion that comes out of that ends up being just what they need. That's like, that they didn't even know they needed it, right? Yeah. And, and having a group setting, um, I'm a big believer in the power of group. Um, and I get way better results, not to say you don't get good results one-on-one and, and for specific situations, obviously it's necessary. However, for most, for most people going through some kind of group experience, whether it's a health program or, you know, mental health or whatever, um, there is this like unexplainable, as you say, this, the sum is uh, bigger than its parts. Right. And so until you you're, you're participate in that, it obviously it depends on the person leading it. So then it becomes very, very important that you're with the right leader. You yeah. know, so that's very important. So for people who are who have been really connecting with you, um, Sabina, and they want to work with you, how can they find you? You know, what what does it look like to join, um, you know, Radiate? Yeah, so thanks, Patricia. So I would love to work with anyone that wants to learn more. And it starts off really gentle. You can just have a kind of connect call with me and sort of describe what, you, uh, what you're looking for and kind of if Radiate's the right place for you, et cetera. Um, but um, as you have up here, like on Linktree, I have kind of an outline of, of some of my programs. But the, generally the way it works, you connect with me uh, on a short call and then we do um, a roadmap session. So that's kind of more intensive. That's a one-to-one where we talk about kind of, we figure out together collaboratively, what are our, what are the potholes? What are the things that have continued to kind of keep you in this, in the unpreferred state, right? So what are the things that are kind of keeping this alive? And then we look at um, two, two important things. One are your high yield self-care activities and what are your high yield spirit nurturing practices? And then we build a map, right? We build a roadmap for how you're going to get um, to kind of a more fulfilled state. And that's important because, and that'll be written, that's important because then far after you're done working with me, you still have that because we know that life will continue to offer its challenges. And so you might want to refer back to that and how you might kind of pull yourself out of states in the future. So you'll have that. And from there, you move on to uh, a group program or an individual program, depending on your preference and what your needs are. Um, And those group programs are kind of composed of you know, a, a number of participants that might be in a similar state to you. Um, and then we work through on a weekly basis, um, kind of various topics, some of the some of which I explained today and, and some extras. Um, and we work through kind of on, on a week by week basis, um, depending on the right group for you that can the groups can span from five weeks to nine weeks, kind of on a weekly basis. And then um, and then we'll have a closing up session as well. And then as part of that, you become part of the Radiate community. So we continue to kind of support each other uh, through various means because, you know, after you've been through this journey, you want to kind of have your people that know the language and know how to help support you uh, even when you're not working directly with me. So that's kind of that's kind of how the program works. Um, and as you can see, there's, uh, there, there's my link tree or you can just find me on LinkedIn, Dr. Sabina Nagpal. It's super simple. Send me a note and I would love to connect with you. Amazing. And I have the uh, links. I'll put the links in the show notes. And again, if you're on LinkedIn, it's Dr. Sabina Nagpal, N-A-G-P-A-L for those who are listening, S-A-B-I-N-A. And uh, just to finish off, Sabina, um, what would, in your opinion, this is just kind of like a, you know, just I'm, there's no right or wrong answer to this, but to you, what does it mean to live a wise life, to live wisely? Oh, good question. Um, I think that it means there's a capacity for uh, for gratitude in one's life, for one, and there's a capacity to feel like you are have some clarity around what your kind of purpose and meaning is, and what direction you want to take. And that doesn't mean you have to know exactly where you're going, but you feel like what you're doing in the moment is the right thing for you, um, and that the and that you and you have some confidence that the next steps will also be the right steps. And when you have that, you also have joy and clarity and ease 
um, and kind of a capacity to really connect with yourself and others. That's what I think is kind of a wise life. Thank you so much, Dr. Sabina Nagpal. It's been such a pleasure having you here today. And thank you everyone for joining us today. If you're listening or watching, feel free to save, subscribe, and share because sharing is caring. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 